0: Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash livemore to access a very special offer. They are giving my listeners five fantastic travel packs and one year supply of vitamin D free of charge with your first order. See all details at athleticgreens.com forward slash livemore. Today's clip is from episode 200 of the podcast with a pioneer in the field of integrative medicine, Dr. Andrew Weil. Now, in this clip, he explains why our mind and body are so connected and how a simple daily breathing practice can help reduce stress. What do you mean when you say mind-body-medicine? Do you see the mind and body as separate? Does society see it as separate? And you know what does that umbrella? I think the only really way you mean? can
1: separate mind and body is verbally. I think they are two poles of the same reality, uh, and I think the uh, the reigning paradigm in Western science and medicine simply does not see that. You know that we we have a materialistic paradigm in place uh, that states that all that is real is that which is physical, that which can be touched, measured, um, I guess in medicine taken out. Uh, and that if you observe a change in a physical system, the cause has to be physical, non-physical causation of physical events simply is not allowed for in that paradigm. And this is why mind body interactions have been never accorded their proper due, why research in that area has been stunted, why hypnosis has never been fully accepted as a medical modality, for example, why we can't make sense of, of uh, wart cures. I mean, there's a whole range of things, but uh, that, that is changing. And uh, some of the change has come about with uh, validating placebo responses through brain imaging and showing that there are correlations with no activity in particular areas of the brain, so this makes it accessible to people. Gradually changing, but I would say there's, there's a whole range of therapies under the heading mind-body medicine from biofeedback, hypnosis, visualization, and so forth. In general, uh, these methods are very cost-effective, time-effective,
0: even fun for both practitioner and patient, uh, and yet they are very underutilized. What are some of your favorite sort of stress reduction practices that, that you find people get real benefit from?
1: I would say that learning uh, and practicing methods of neutralizing the harmful effects of stress is right up there with uh, nutrition and physical activity and adequate rest and sleep as one of the planks of healthy living. Um, I, I don't think it's possible to live without stress. Uh, but I think you can learn to manage it and not let it damage uh, the body or mind. I think that, that learning how to regulate the breath is the most time and cost-effective method of, uh, of of reducing anxiety, of promoting calmness, um, and I, I've been astonished at how little scientific attention has been paid to breath. And by the way, this is something that comes from uh, Indian culture. If you look at around the world at places whether it's martial arts or natural childbirth or athletic performance where breathing is stressed and you try to find where this knowledge came from all roads lead to ancient india you know this is a science that developed thousands of years ago in india and has diffused all over the world uh and and uh, as i say just astonishing how little scientific research has been done on breath and its ability to change physiology although that finally is changing
0: Yeah, it really is. I mean, you have widely popularized the 478 breath. Um, Can you tell us what the 478 breath is? And, you know, when did this start coming into your awareness? And when did you start talking about it?
1: It's a yoga technique. So again, thousands of years old, and uh, I learned it from Dr. Fulford. uh, And I've been practicing it since probably the early 1980s, and I have taught it, I teach it to every patient I come into contact with, to all of my students, uh, sometimes to very large groups of people. Um, it, it's so time efficient, it's just, you know, the method is simply uh, breathing in quietly through your nose to a count of four, holding your breath to a count, for a count of seven, and blowing air out forcibly through your mouth to a count of eight, and repeating that for four breath cycles, when you're first learning it and doing that twice a day religiously, and that's all. And by simply doing that uh, over time, you know, over the space of a month or two months, you really change the dynamics of the involuntary nervous system. Uh, Decrease sympathetic tone, increase parasympathetic tone. The relaxation response uh, lowers heart rate, lowers blood pressure improves digestion, uh, really amazing results. And and uh, it, it takes 30 seconds twice a day.
0: I mean, I love recommendations like that. You know, very, very effective, but but free and accessible to everybody, which I think is something that I always try and keep at the back of my mind when, when talking about health. There's this theme coming up, um, Andrew, which is, you mentioned inflammation before you were becoming aware in the maybe early eighties that there 's this kind of root cause of chronic unresolved inflammation that may be behind or at least contributing in a large way to things like hypertension, type two diabetes, heart disease, you know depression, whatever it 's like okay, great, you also mentioned that you teach the four seven eight breath to pretty much every single one of your patients so what what I really love is this understanding and this idea that there are some basics of health right mm-hmm. there are some there are some common commonalities that if we focus on the creation of health in the body if we focus on reducing inflammation in the body through hopefully lots of uh you know uh, lifestyle practices we can tackle multiple different diseases mm-hmm. even though we're not targeting them specifically and and it's you know as you say that 478 breath it sounds like you use that as prevention as prophylaxis but also as treatment when somebody has a problem and i think this is in many ways changing the way that we look at medicine because we have been taught in a in a certainly i was trained what maybe 30 35 years after you but a very sort of quite a reductionist model. We're very good at giving labels to different diseases. Mm-hmm. We we separate off the body into different specialities, and that can have value. But also, we 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 forget that we're one interconnected system. And if you change one part of that system, you also have a knock on effect on other parts as well.
1: Yeah, let me give you an example with uh, four seven eight breath. This is by far the most effective anti-anxiety measure that I've come across. It makes the drugs that we use for anxiety look very pathetic by comparison. And I have used that in patients with the most extreme forms of panic disorder uh, successfully, although in some cases it took some time of regular practice for them to get control of it. But the the difference between treating an anxiety attack or panic disorder with a drug like a benzodiazepine and with the 478 breath... It's a very stark contrast. When people are panicked or in anxiety states, the subjective experience usually is of being out of control. If you deal with that by giving a a, a medication, you reinforce the false idea that the locus of control is external. And over time, that method becomes less and less effective and often creates dependence. If When a person discovers that they have within them the ability to control an anxiety state by regulation of the breath, it's a revelation, it's totally empowering. And that method becomes more effective with repetition and creates greater independence and greater autonomy. It just couldn't be a greater contrast of those two approaches.
0: You mentioned the placebo effect before and the power of the mind and I've shared on this podcast before that my realization over the past few years has been, yes, food, movement, sleep, stress, super important. They are very, very important things to try and help everyone with. But actually, if you go one step further, I really am feeling more and more that it's the mind, it's our belief mm-hmm. systems up here, how we view the world actually determines a lot of those behaviors in the first place. And unless we we tackle that, Yeah, we can make big improvements with food and movement and stress. But at some point to really get that long term change, we've got to tackle what's going on up here. And you mentioned the placebo. And it's interesting that there's such powerful research behind the placebo. But how do we talk about it? in medicine it's it's the most derogatory thing in the world when you were talking about trials isn't it it kind of it speaks to how little credence we give or have typically given yes. to the power of our minds yes the
1: the two most common usages of the word placebo i hear in medicine are how do you know that's not just a placebo effect and the most interesting word there is just or we have to rule out the placebo effect. You know, we should be ruling it in. Placebo responses are pure healing responses from within, mediated by the mind, and that's what we should be trying to make happen more often. That is the art of medicine. How do you present treatments to patients to get the maximum healing response with the minimum direct physical intervention? Again, something that I began writing about long ago and, and talking about, and I'm happy to see gradually a a change coming about in that area. Uh, But that word is so charged and so loaded. And, you know, the thinking that placebo responses are imaginary and they're not as important. Here's a little, there's a little uh, assignment that I like to give to medical students and also to doctors in training as well, is to go into, pick up any medical journal at random that reports randomized controlled uh, testing of drugs and look up an article and flip to the back where there's a table summarizing the results. In the placebo group, there will always be, always, one or two or a small number of subjects who show all of the changes produced in the experimental group. In other words, any change that we can produce in the human body with a pharmaceutical agent can be exactly reproduced in at least some individuals some of the time purely by a mind-mediated mechanism. To me, that is the most important single fact that's come out of this whole era, 70 years of randomized uh, controlled drug testing. Uh, and that's what we should be trying to figure out how to take advantage of and make happen more of the time. I find that one of the main things that I can do for patients is to instill in them greater confidence about their body's own ability and resilience. And I think many people have no confidence at all in that. And the fact is that most of us are mostly healthy most of the time, and that's remarkable. Given how many things could go wrong inside the body, how many things out there have the potential to harm us, it is miraculous that most of us are mostly healthy most of the time. And that is a tribute to the intrinsic healing mechanisms of the human body.
0: really hope you enjoyed that bite-sized clip do spread the love by sharing this episode with your friends and family and if you want more why not go back and listen to the original full conversation with my guest now just a quick reminder my brand new book happy Minds, happy life 10 simple ways to feel great every day is available to order now if you like my podcast I really think you're going to enjoy this book. It contains loads of simple and practical strategies to help you look after your mind and enhance your mental well-being. This, in turn, is going to have a transformative impact on your happiness and your overall health. Now, I cover lots of different topics in the book, including how you can better deal with criticism, how to overcome a lack of motivation, how to build better relationships, and ultimately, how to experience more joy in your life. So if that sounds of interest, please do pick up your very own copy. It is available as a paperback, as an ebook, but also as an audiobook, which I am narrating. All links to order on both sides of the Atlantic are in the episode description in your podcast app. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Make sure you have pressed subscribe and I'll be back next week with my long form conversational Wednesday and the latest episode of Bite Science next Friday.